Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Canadian Robert Schellenberg faces the death penalty in China for drug smuggling. China has a history of rapid executions. So what's likely to happen to Mr. Schellenberg? In this internationally fraught climate, Professor Margaret Lewis joins us, specialist in Chinese criminal justice at Seton Hall University. Professor Lewis, thank you very much for the time. And when it comes to the fundamentals of Chinese law, what's in play here as far as the resentencing of Robert Schellenberg was concerned? He had 15 years now. Now it's the death penalty. Yeah, and, and what's interesting is it's partially the fundamentals of Chinese law, and it's also the fundamentals of Chinese politics. And they're, they're, they're hard to disentangle, and especially in a case like this. Uh, because uh, we have to kind of look at this from two chapters, sort of the the pre-December 1st chapter and the post-December 1st chapter, of course, the uh, capture of the Huawei CFO, Meng Wanzhou, being the critical juncture there. Right. So uh, so can you do that for us then? Please tell us how these two intersect. And uh, is Mr. Schellenberg actually really facing the death penalty or are political games at play here? Right. So let's go back in time to December 14, uh, 2014, when he was first apprehended in China. And at that point, there were the allegations that he was involved in some sort of drug smuggling ring. And uh, large quantities of methamphetamine involved, 222 kilograms. So this is not a small uh, situation. And uh, what happened then was actually a pretty slow process. In China, trials generally proceed pretty quickly, but here we didn't actually see the sentence come out until November of 2018. And while it's not entirely clear why that took nearly four years, indications from his lawyers are there were some questions about the credibility of the evidence. So there were some consultations uh, behind the scenes about whether, in fact, he was going to be found guilty, and if so, to what degree. Uh, he was then, at that point, sentenced to 15 years in prison, which is a serious sentence, along with a fine and, um, and that he would be expul- expulsion from China after he finished that 15 years. He did uh, appeal that sentence, and at the time, given that there seemed to be questions about the evidence, that might not have uh, been too surprising of a decision. I don't want to Monday morning quarterback it too much um, with our you know, sports analogies today, thinking that uh, now I'm sure he's thinking he'd rather have stayed with that 15-year sentence. But then promptly after that appeal was lodged, we had suddenly this massive diplomatic row breakout between Canada and China. Uh, we turned then from having a case that was proceeding at a very slow pace for Chinese standards to a case that was proceeding at a very fast clip, uh, even for Chinese standards. And there we had uh, the appeal uh, up to the higher court, which resulted in the case being sent back down. That appeal took all of one day, and the retrial took place uh, just two weeks later on January 14th. What was amazing about that was the trial lasted from about 8 a.m. to 7 p.m., and then following a one-hour recess, the court came back with the death sentence that same evening. So what's going to happen? What's your, uh, what's your, what's your experience and your intuition tell you? Right, so first, we always have to have a lot of uh, intuition more than data because the number of executions in China remains a state secret. And while uh, conventional wisdom, pretty good sources say now approximately thir- 
3,000 people are executed annually. That's down uh, significantly from a decade ago where the estimates were closer to about 10,000 people annually. And a lot of those executions are for drug-related offenses. So in that way, his case is not exceptional that a drug case could trigger the death penalty. Um, One thing that's interesting is that the sentence went from 15 years to death with, if not immediate execution, going towards execution. There's an intermediary sentence of a death sentence with a two-year reprieve, the understanding being if the person's sentence then behaves well during those two years, the sentence will be mitigated down to a long prison sentence. So we now have the harshest possible sentence in play. Um, Understanding is that Schellenberg has uh, started the appeal process, so the case will go back up to the same court, not necessarily the same judges, but the same court that ordered the retrial. That's not expected to result in a change to the sentence. The next step after that is the more interesting. That's when the case goes to the Supreme People's Court in Beijing, which has review power over all death sentences. This next appeal just to the high court, that could take up to four months under the law, under the criminal procedure law. The review by the Supreme People's Court it's uncertain how long that could take, which means that from a political standpoint, if Beijing wants to rush this case along and put more pressure on on Canada, it could do that. If the powers that be in Beijing want to slow things down and give time to have discussions behind the scenes, they can do that too. So it sounds like let's get the political situation out of the way. Let's get the Huawei situation cleared up and and, and resolved uh, to China's satisfaction. That may be their message. And then we'll deal with uh, acceding to your clemency request for Schellenberg, and uh, and and you you do it our way or or else. It seems to be like an or else proposition here. Well, that seems to be the message, especially uh, when the United States just at the end of January filed the official extradition request, which right. we were awaiting and was and then was formally filed. Uh, immediately thereafter, the embassy of China. Uh, in Canada issued a statement, and that was uh, strongly worded. And one thing that the statement said was that, and I quote, we urge Canada to stop risking its own interests for the benefits of the U.S. All right, Professor Lewis, I have to stop it there because of the clock. But I thank you so much for the time. Very, very informative. Thanks so much. My pleasure. Bye-bye. Professor Margaret Lewis from Seton Hall University. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend. Canada may be known for its landscapes and friendly people, but beneath the surface lies a darker side of crime, history, and the paranormal. Since 2017, the award-winning Dark Poutine podcast has explored the shadowy corners of the Great White North and beyond, delivering chilling tales from a uniquely Canadian perspective. Hosted by Mike Brown and Matthew Stockton with over 300 episodes and fresh releases every Monday, Dark Poutine is your weekly ticket to the creepier side of Canada. Listen to Dark Poutine on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.